Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. everyone and welcome to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. And on today's episode, I'm actually going to be answering a listener question that actually came to me through another podcast that I host, but I thought it was very appropriate for this podcast. And here's a question. I recently read that it is likely that Social Security benefits will be cut by up to 25% by the year 2030 because of the national debt, which has been further accelerated by the coronavirus pandemic. If this becomes true, would it make sense to take Social Security benefits at age 62 instead of waiting until full retirement age, if one can capture three to four more years before Social Security is reduced. So essentially, and that's the end of the question there, what this listener is asking is, one, what's the deal with Social Security? How has coronavirus impacted this? What should we expect from Social Security as a system going forward? And number two, what can I do about it? So it's a very good question, and we're going to address that in today's episode. The research that was referenced in the, or what I guess a lot of people are reading and what a lot of articles are about is there was research done by the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business, and they did a new budget model. And what the budget model predicted is that the Social Security Trust, which is what is used to pay a lot of Social Security benefits today, will be fully depleted somewhere between 2032 and 2034. Now, this actually isn't new information. We've known for a while that the budget was going to be depleted and that the trust was going to be depleted. But what we thought before was that it would last until 2035 or 2036. So this isn't presenting a new problem. It's just expediting the problem. It's bringing on that depletion or it's bringing on that problem sooner than maybe we originally thought that it would come. But it's not as if this is a new issue. It's something that we knew was going to be faced down the road. And the challenge is, as coronavirus and government shutdowns are putting a lot of people out of work, there's 36 million claims for unemployment insurance right now. Well, those are people that are not paying into the Social Security system. When you earn wages, those wages are taxed, and part of that tax goes to pay for Social Security benefits. So as people are not working, what that means is that revenues to fund Social Security are down, which means that the Social Security trust is being depleted faster than otherwise would have been. So let's take a big step back even from there. There was a problem well before this, and the problem is when Social Security was designed, it was done so 85 years ago. 1935 was when Social Security was created. And in 1935, the average life expectancy for an individual that was born at that time was 60 years old. Today, the average life expectancy for someone is almost 79 years old. So you can immediately start to see how this creates a problem. When you become eligible to collect Social Security in your 60s, well, the system was designed for that to happen at a time period where not many people were even projected to live through their 60s. And those that did weren't expected to live as long as they are today. So what we have today is we have a system where people are living longer and longer, and we have a social safety net, which is social security, that is designed to create income for those people, but it was never designed to do so for as long as it's having to do so today. Here's other problems with that. There are 10,000 baby boomers or 10,000 people from the baby boomer generation who are turning 65 every day. So if that's you and you're listening, happy birthday to all 10,000 of you. And that's wonderful. People are living longer, as I just mentioned, and they're having longer and better retirements. But the challenge is, as more and more people are retiring and now collecting Social Security, we are having declining birth rates, which means declining people that are now working and paying into the Social Security system. 
So when you look at the ratio of the number of workers that are working each year to support one individual on Social Security, that ratio is declining, which means the revenues going into Social Security are trending downwards as the expenses to pay Social Security benefits are trending upwards. So that's a big overview of the problem. That's been known, and it's been projected that that crossover would happen, or the trust would be depleted in 2035 or 2036. And the challenge now is with, with coronavirus, is that now even expediting the problem even more so? So there's now two questions that result to this. And the first one is, well, is Social Security going to run out of money? And the answer to that is no. Just the way that Social Security works, even if nothing has changed, if, if we kind of continue over these next 10, 15 years and nothing changes, well, it doesn't mean that Social Security turns to zero. What it means is that benefits will be reduced. And that's because the way that the system is set up is as long as people are still working, as long as there are still workers, those workers are being taxed. And those, those taxes go to pay the majority of the revenues that are needed to support Social Security. So it's not as if that's going to stop in 2035 or 2034, whenever it happens to be. What's going to stop is the excess, the trust that's set aside to supplement those benefits that's projected to be depleted. So Social Security will not run out of money just because of the way that it's set up. As long as people are paying in, there'll be benefits that come out the other side to retired workers. The question is, are there going to be reductions? And there could be. Now, there's going to be some challenges as we face this. And the reason for that, as I just explained, is this system was designed 85 years ago, and it was designed for a very different purpose than exists today. It was designed to be a social safety net for people that lived past age 62 to 70. That was the time frame that you could collect in. And there were fewer people that lived past that age in the 30s than there are today. So while that's a really good thing from a life expectancy standpoint, it's created a problem where we now have a system that's out of place. We have a system that doesn't work in the way it's intended to work because of the strains put on it by having to support more people, all while being funded by fewer and fewer people. Now, that being said, there are some changes that can happen. And if you want to go and look at a really cool tool that actually shows you what are all the possible changes and how could these prolong the life of Social Security, I'm going to include a link in the show notes. And what this link does is it's a resource called the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, and they put together kind of a projection tool. And the projection tool shows the current I guess you would call it the depletion of the trust fund, the current depletion of the Social Security trust fund. And it shows this is how long it's projected last based upon current trajectory. But then it shows you what happens if you push back retirement ages. Or then what it shows you what happens if you increase taxes. Or it shows you what happens if you do different things, all things that are projected to increase the longevity of Social Security. Now, the reality is it's not going to be a fun discussion. And the reason that we haven't actually or Congress hasn't actually made these changes yet is because it's going to be unpopular. It's going to mean either delaying benefits for certain people. It's probably going to mean raising taxes. It's probably going to mean increasing the taxable wage base. And we'll talk about what all that means. But there are going to be things that happen that politically aren't going to be fun to talk about. But if we want Social Security to still be there, still look like what it looks like today, certain changes will definitely have to be made. So as I mentioned, I'm going to include a link to this tool that you can see what do some of these changes look like. But let's walk through probably some of the more probable ones. So one thing is you can push the ages back. As I mentioned today, you can collect Social Security anywhere between age 62 and age 70. And your full retirement age is going to be somewhere between 66 and 67. It's full retirement age being when you can collect your full benefit. These benefits or these age bands were put in place at a time where people didn't live as long. 
well, people are living longer now. So does it make sense to push the ages at which people can collect back further in order to account for that? And that's a common proposal. Pushing the ages back even just one or two years has a significant impact on the longevity of how long the Social Security Trust Fund will last. For example, if you raise the retirement age from age 67 to age 69 and then index it to longevity, which means every so often push that age 69 back even a little bit further, well, what that does is that closes 41% of the gap. The gap being that difference between what you're projected to receive in Social Security today versus what you'll actually receive if no changes are made because there will be a shortfall and because there won't be enough to pay the full benefit. So that, that right there solves almost 50% of the problem. Now, obviously, that alone isn't enough, but you can see what increasing the ages by one year, two years, even three years doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a big difference. Now, if you're listening to this and saying, oh my gosh, well, what if I'm 65 and I'm ready to turn 66 and collect Social Security? That would really impact my financial plan. And you're right. Now, the government's actually done this in the past, though. They've pushed ages back. It used to be age 65 that was considered your full retirement age, and they pushed it to between age 66 and 67. But in doing that, they gave you a long time horizon to actually adjust for that. I believe they announced it 13 years before you would actually turn that age, before you would turn 66. So what that means, if they were to do something similar today, it would mean if you're maybe between 50 and 55, and they were to make an announcement today, they would say, for those of you under 55, or those of you under 50, Instead of collecting at 67 as your full retirement age, it might be 68 or it might be 69. So it gives you a long time to actually plan for that. I doubt they would do this and just pull that out and tell people, hey, by the way, next year your benefit actually can't be collected at the full amount. You need to push that back. They tend to give people a longer time horizon to plan for this instead of catching people off guard. Another thing they might do is they might means test Social Security. And this is something they already do. And when you look at the benefit that you receive, the, the benefit that you receive, the, if you're a lower income worker, if you've earned lower wages over the course of your career, a majority of your yearly earnings are actually replaced by Social Security. So a pretty big chunk of what you earned over your lifetime is replaced. If you earned a high amount over the course of your lifetime, a much smaller amount of your earnings that you paid into Social Security are paid out in Social Security. So what that means is it's means tested. The first dollars that you pay in or the lowest wages that you earn, those are replaced at a much higher ratio than the latter dollars that you pay in. So people talk about means testing this even more and means testing it even more. And again, this is going to become a very political thing because you have questions of, well, what's fair, what's not fair. But just from a practical standpoint, if you just look at that, that will help to alleviate some of the burden. Another big thing that people talk about, of course, is raising taxes. So Social Security, it's funded by payroll taxes, and people think that those payroll taxes are going to go up in one of two ways. Number one is they could just simply raise the tax rate. So today, this today if you look at your paycheck, if you're an employee, you pay 7.65% in what are called payroll taxes. 6.2% of that goes to pay Social Security, and 1.45% of that goes to pay Medicare. So 7.65% of your paycheck is paid into that, and then your employer also pays 7.65%. So if you're self-employed, you're the owner and the employee, well, there's a total of 15.3% of taxes that are paid into Social Security and Medicare. There's talk of that could increase. That's a solution that's been thrown out there. And then another solution is what's called eliminating the wage base, or at least increasing the wage base. What that means is today, you don't pay Social Security taxes on the entirety of your income. You pay Social Security taxes, so again, that 6.2% that you pay as well as the 6.2% that your employer pays, you pay that on the first $137,700 that you earn. 
So if you earn $100,000, well, you're paying Social Security tax on 100% of it. You are and your employer is. If you earn $200,000, you're paying Social Security on the first $137,700, but then there's no Social Security tax after that. So a lot of what people are talking about is, well, do we increase that wage base? And that's actually something that happens every single year. That wage base increases. But some people are talking about, do we eliminate that? Now, again, that would have a lot of pushback. What that's effectively doing is increasing taxes by 12% when you include what the employee and what the employer are paying on wages above $137,700, which is a fairly significant amount. Now, it has a huge impact on the funding of Social Security. I think that adds 30 or 40 years to the lifetime of the trust fund and decreases the pay gap once the fund is projected to be depleted. But it's certainly something that when you look at it would have an impact on prolonging the life of the trust fund. So at the end of the day, there's a whole bunch of things that can be done and certainly will be done to prolong Social Security. So when when people you hear people talking about is Social Security going to run out of money? What does this mean for Social Security? Social Security technically could run out of money and you would still have benefits again, just because of the fact that as long as people are working and paying in, there will be benefits to be paid out. But on top of that, there will be some type of change. Social security is something that impacts a large demographic of people, and that demographic of people tends to be the people that vote. And as a politician, you're not going to allow social security to go under or to be significantly reduced on your watch because doing so probably wouldn't be very favorable for your political career. The next part of this question then is, okay, if social security is not running out of money, but it still may be reduced, again, we have no idea what's actually going to happen. We can just project or make educated guesses based upon what's happened in the past and what we know now. But the second part of the question is, should I collect benefits as soon as possible in order to get those full benefits, even if I'm not yet full retirement age? So again, this this listener's question, it's should I collect Social Security before I otherwise would have so that I can get a few years of full benefits under my belt before a reduction? So as we just mentioned, this reduction may or may not happen, probably not going to happen in my opinion. But again, anything can certainly happen. I don't think, even if the reduction were to happen, though, I don't think that that would be a compelling enough reason to collect at age 62 instead of waiting until full retirement age or even later in order to get three or four years of full benefits. The reason I say that, there's a few reasons. Number one, if you collect at 62, it's essentially limiting how much you can earn without having Social Security benefits being withheld, without penalizing yourself on your Social Security benefit. Forget the exact number, but the wage base for Social Security is something like 15000 or the earnings limit, I should say, is something like 15000 So if you retire at age 62 and you collect Social Security, there's no problem with that. But if you are now earning an income, Social Security will begin to withhold $1 in benefits for every $2 of income that you earn above that earnings limit. So again, the limit is around $15,000, which means that if you were to earn $35,000, they would essentially be withholding $10,000 in annual benefits from you because you earned $20,000 above that limit. So number one, it's going to prevent you from working. And if you can and want to still be working, well, don't collect Social Security and stop working just because you think that you're going to get a few extra bucks by collecting early. Number two, by waiting longer to collect Social Security, you are getting a guaranteed increase in what your Social Security benefit would be. Your benefit from age 62 to age 66 or 67, depending on your full retirement age, is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to 6% per year increase just by waiting each year. So if you collect at 62 instead of 70, you're collecting something like 70% of what your benefit would have been had you simply waited until age 67. Had you waited until age 70 to collect, your benefit would have been significantly higher. 
So by collecting at 62, just to try to grab as much as you can or to get as much as you can before the benefit is reduced, it may feel good in those first few years before Social Security is potentially reduced. But what you're doing is you're then locking in a lower benefit. And even if you only got 70 or 75% of what your benefit would have been at 67 or 68 or 70 or whatever it is, you're still locking yourself into a lower benefit. So I don't think there's a compelling enough reason to collect just to collect benefits with the fear of Social Security running out because it's then locking you into something that could permanently be a bad solution for you. Now, this changes, of course, if you don't have a long life expectancy and other factors. Maybe there's there's obviously spousal claiming decisions that are part of this as well. So it's not just a one person decision when you're in retirement. In fact, I did a whole episode on this if you want to learn more. It's episode number six, should you collect Social Security as soon as you retire? I go through all the ins and outs of the decisions that you should be looking at or the factors you should be looking at before making that decision. But needless to say, it probably doesn't make sense to collect early just for the purpose of getting a few more years of full benefits, again, before Social Security potentially gets reduced by 25%. So that was a good question. I really appreciate this listener's question because I think this is a question on a lot of people's minds right now is one, what's the deal with social security? Can I count on it? Will it be there? What will this reduction potentially look like? And really, what are the solutions that exist to potentially prolong that? And then two, how does that impact your planning strategy? Now, of course, before looking at what you specifically should do, talk with your advisor, talk with your financial planner, make sure that you have a good plan in place to see really how social security fits into the big picture plan that you have for your retirement. But I think this was a helpful thing to be able to walk through in order to see what planning issues may exist and how you can account for those. So that's it for today's episode, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to episode number 10 of the Ready for Retirement podcast. To see the show notes and the resources from today's episode, please head over to the Ready for Retirement website at readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And you can find the notes and the links to the resources that I spoke about on today's episode. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show. A new episode is released each week. And by subscribing, you'll be notified each time that happens. And this show is designed to answer your questions about retirement. So if you have a question, chances are good someone else has that same one. Head over to the Ready for Retirement website, and there's a page where you can submit your question that I'll answer on a future episode. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. It's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.